For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday, midday in the afternoon, and I want to do the uh, Haftorah, which is being uh, sponsored by Zev Raiden for a very good reason. It's his daughter's uh, uh, bas mitzvah this week, plus they have another simcha. Um, this is Orit, Orit Tova, <coughs> what do you, <coughs> excuse me, uh, <laughs> they called her Orit, he says, because she was born Hanukkah time, okay, for Oris, that's good, um, and Tova put Gittel, that's what we do nowadays, you call someone Tova instead of Gittel, who was, he? I'm telling you what he wrote me, was my father's mother, said I would know her, she's named for her great-grandmother, who escaped the Warsaw Ghetto, in the war, disguised as a tough Polish, a cleaning lady, it's like a movie, survived the war, walked through miles of snow from Warsaw to a faraway town, found my father, <clears throat> that's the whole story with Zev Raiden, his father was, was uh, survived the Warsaw, smuggled out of the Warsaw ghetto as a child, and was raised by a Geisha family, and this mother went back and found him after the war, and then back to the city and removed his little sister from a con- convent of nuns that had Jewish children orphanage. Is this a movie or not? She raised them both, sent them to America. So she's a tough lady, and that's why they have the family today, the Raiden family. And Orit, the Bas Mitzvah girl, is also tough. Whenever Tess is, she's a leader in her class and in school. Wow. She thrives for any adversity, makes friends with everyone, including when a new girl arrives in the middle of the year. She invites them in. She takes initiative. And Thursday night at the simplest Bas Mitzvah here in Florida. So Mazel Tov to Orit Tova, Orit Geto, Orit Tova. And, um, I'm happy to say also that the Raidens are making a, uh, not a Lechaim, but Vort, uh, this week for their daughter in, uh, in Florida. In other words, they just had the, uh, Lechaim or whatever you call it in, uh, New York and Queens. And then I guess on Sunday night, I think it is, um, on December 17th, yeah, Sunday night, they're having a, uh, Vort for Ayala and Akiva, <coughs> Ayala Raiden and, uh, Nuchas and Akiva Spurn, down in Florida. Um, and uh, Avort means they're going to be speeches. Well, if you can't figure out speeches to say on Hanukkah time for a, a, an engagement, uh, quit the rabbinate. Now, um, so Mazel Tov, it's nice to have the Simchas there. I look forward to seeing the Raidens soon. Now, uh, the Haftorah today is almost a very famous Haftorah, one of my favorites. When I say favorite, that was one of the most well-known. That's a better way of putting it. Um, very well-known. The whole, almost, Amos is extremely um, well-known among people. No, Tanakh, in other words, not from Jews. <laughs> and uh, it's a masterpiece of rhetoric. I'm sure I've said that in the past. Uh, you can learn lessons. I'm very serious about this. You can learn lessons in rhetoric from the style of almost who passes himself off as an uneducated guy, but I think that's baloney. He's, I'm just a, a sycamore a tree tender. He was a, certainly more than that. Um, and um, his style, it's very interesting how it's connected to Torah. I'll tell you how it works. As is often the case, the Torah takes a snatch, a snippet, from a much larger prophecy. Why they cut it where they cut it and cut and paste, instead of giving the whole business... Each time is a separate story. In other words, there's a reason behind each one. So our Haftorah today is uh, starts not from the beginning of the Book of Amos, but from what they call Perak Bays. I mean, I know the guy made the Perak, but still, uh, for Perak Bays, 
in the middle of the speech. <coughs> the style of the speech goes as follows. Al shlosha peshi ex Right? That the in other words, almost is getting wants to get a crowd in the uh in the marketplace. He lives in the north, so he's in Shomrum, the capital city of the kingdom of the north. It was not in the south. And he starts by saying, Ko Amar Hashem. Right? Al Shlosha Pishi Damasek, Venu. He says that for the three sins of Damascus. In other words, now I'm going to cuss out Syria. Well, I'm in favor of that. Everybody's in favor of that, right? Hell with Syria. That was causing so much trouble. And so he says, for the three sins of, of Damascus. In other words, God says, I could take, I have a limit of what I can bear, me, God, in terms of injustice and sin. For three sins, I could handle it. But the fourth one, as they say, broke the the, 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 the back of the camel, right? The straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, what was that? That they tortured the people, they crushed uh, with, uh, no, they took the prisoners of Gilead, which are Jews, living in Averyard, and you know what Gilead is. And, uh, What's the right word? They plowed them. Those they ran a plow over their backs. So that's a bunch of what jerks they are. Meaning, and by the way, that's exactly what the Syrians are today. Everybody knows. You don't fall in the hands of the Syrians. They torture in, in horrible ways. Um, the Israelis know this very well. That's why you have the famous, in halacha, called the Eli Kohn Shiloh, which is, can Eli Kohn or somebody like that in Syria can't take a cyanide pill just in case he gets caught? Because they're going to torture you to death. I'll do some bacharutzas. I'll bury us a gilad, and therefore, therefore the whole Damascus will be destroyed, etc., etc., etc. So this was a popular prophecy. So people started to gather around him. Call Marshem. Then he goes on. I'll shlosha pishi Gaza. And same thing with Gaza, what we call today the Hamas, the the the, the Gaza Strip. They also were trouble. And what's the shot? Uh, three sins I could bear, God says, but the fourth broke the back of the camel and caused the destruction of Gaza. And what was that? They handed over the entire Gaulus. There's a whole bunch of Jews they handed over to the Nazis, or to Edom, let's put it this way, which was killing them. So in those, we don't know the exact context of this because it's an incident that happened. Rashi offers his interpretation, others, but the bottom line is that there was a situation to use modern terminology, a whole bunch of people were hiding from the Nazis and then they just handed them over. That's the equivalent of it. And therefore, I'm going to wipe out Gaza. Well, okay, so now the crowd's really growing. He cussed out Syria and he cussed out the, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Gaza Strip, the Philistines. That's good. And then he goes on. You know, now they're screaming like in a, in a church. Keep it up, Reverend. And now I'm turning to Lebanon, to Tzor, which is Tyre, the great city, the port city of the past. They did the same thing. They handed over all the Jewish refugees to the Nazis, to Edom, and they didn't remember Brisachim. In other words, they had a treaty not to do it, and they violated and they gave the treaty over. You know, this is like, it reminds me, for example, of a famous terrible incident during Tachvatat with the Chemelnitsky massacres. If you read that book, the Metzula, where he says at one point the Cossacks surrounded the city, and uh, what he called, uh, uh, and they uh, said to the Polacks, hand over to the Jews, even though they had a treaty 
that the Jews and the Poles would stand together against the Cossacks and prevent them from entering the city. But they said, hand the Jews over and we'll let you go. They handed all the Jews over and they all got killed. And then, of course, the Cossacks screwed the Poles and broke the treaty and killed them too. So that's, that's the sort of thing that he's talking about. Well, meanwhile, the audience is going wild. This is great. Keep keep cussing out the guy. No, none of this is in the Haftar today. It's the build-up. And now he turned to Adam, who apparently was like the Nazis at that time, because that's the one they keep handing him over to. So for some reason, they were out to kill all the Jews at that particular occasion. And uh, the three sins I could handle, fourth not, and that'll cause Adam to be wiped out. Because they were merciless to the Jews. Rodfa Becherachavi chased his brother with a sword, Beshiches Rachem, and destroyed Rachem. In other words, they were merciless to, to, to the Jews, therefore they'll be wiped out. Well, he's got a good audience now, more and more people coming to hear him speak in the marketplace. You see, that's the rhetorical trick. That's how you get people, you know, to listen to your speech. And then you deliver what you really want to say. Then he cusses out Amon, which again is across the Jordan River. That they destroyed some mountains in Gilad, okay, and they broke the, the 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 boundary lines. So apparently they stole Jewish land, okay, and therefore they'll be wiped out. It says with Chomus Rabbah, the city be wiped out. And now he goes to Moab. So now what has he done? He's cussed out Syria, Gaza Strip, Lebanon, Edom, which is the Negev area at that time. And now Amon, and what's left? Moab. I'll Apparently, they took the 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 body of um, what's it called of the king of Edom. I don't know why our prophet gives a darn about the king. Hell with the king of Edom, but for some reason, and Rashi says it's bizarre to the Malucha. Eh, I don't know. Uh, and they burned the Besid. In other words. As we say today, they destroyed it by acid. You understand? Now, as far as I'm concerned, good. <laughs> what do I care? It could very well be, as I think some of Farshim suggests, that this is a reference to the famous war. Maybe. That's discussed in the Book of Kings when you had Yehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda, and I think Yehoram, the king of Israel, plus the king of Adam, three of them allied against Moab in the time of Mesha, the king of Moab, we have the Mesha steel, the steely, the famous archaeological uh, thing that, that survives. Uh, you can see it in the museums. They have a life-size model of it in the Bible Museum in Washington, by the way. But you can see it online. And it's a very weird story where the three allies, the two Jewish kings plus their Edomite allies, attacked Moab. And at the last minute, it seems that they uh, burned the son of the king of Edom. That's the one interpretation on the walls of the capital city of Moab, and that freaked out the Edomites, or uh, maybe they captured the king of Edom and, and burned his body to a crisp, as he's saying over here. It's not clear to us, but for some reason, uh, you know, that's why Ed don't be destroyed. Well, you know, people say like this, and eh, eh, any excuse is good enough for me if it wipes out Edom. You know, I don't care what it was. And then, now that he's got the crowd, now he starts talking about the Jews. But remember, our hero... Amos is a prophet in the north. So he says, now I'm going to tell you why the south is going to be destroyed. Knows the Malchus Yehuda. Now that's, we're not yet up to the Haftar, we're almost there. 
that they do have a desire. Ma'asam is Torah Hashem, they have contempt for the Torah, and they don't keep the, the mitzvahs. And they're being misled by the idols. Right? Therefore, Yehuda will be wiped up. Well, let's put it this way. If you're talking about not being from, uh, that would apply to the north as well. But then comes our half Torah. Where he referred, now he's got the crowd in, his, in the palm of his hand. Then he starts giving them hell for what's going wrong with them. This is the beginning of our Torah. The sins of Israel, meaning of the north, of the kingdom of the north, the kingdom of the ten tribes. Now he could say, You've been misled and you don't keep the Torah all the rest of it. But that's a Kleinikite. It's not only that they weren't Shomer Shabbos, they were worshiping idols. Well, you want to know something? It's very interesting. He, what are his accusations against the North? He doesn't exactly say, not exactly, that the problem is uh, they have Baal and Asherah and Egil Azov and all that, which they did have. Somehow or other, that's not what he blasts them for. Instead, he blasts them for social injustice and miscarriage of justice. Miscarriage of justice. The damn judges will sell out a poor guy for a bit of money. Uh, that if somebody is righteous, which means if somebody's in the right, let's say for example, I'll just make this up. Uh, I lent you money, and you and then you deny it. So you're lying, and it's pretty clear that I'm telling the truth. But you go and give the judge a bribe. And therefore, what will happen to me? I lose the case. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, Mechram Bakesh Sadiq is even more than that. It could be that now the guy, he's a son of a gun, the guy I lent money to will flip it and he'll say, actually, it was I who borrowed money from him instead of the other way around. He's lying. But because he paid off the judge, or judges, they'll say, all right, I'm guilty, and therefore, since I can't, and, and in other words, I said like this, I lent the guy $1,000, he owes me $1,000, he lies about that, but not only does he lie about that, he says like this, I lend cats a million dollars, which he can't pay back, and because the judge has been bribed, they'll say, okay, we fine for the for the guy who says cats owes the money, and since cats doesn't have the money, we'll sell you for a slave. You get it? So that's how corrupt the damn judges are. And if somebody's poor, so knows if it's, if it's a rich guy versus a poor guy, it doesn't even cost a lot of money to buy the judges off. You get them a pair of sneakers, and the judge, that's good enough. So look how rotten and corrupt the judges were in the North. And that's, that is the reason the kingdom of the North will be destroyed. It's very interesting. Now there's the social injustice, which means the rich screwing the poor, and the miscarriage of justice, which means the courts and the law system goes along, and God cannot stand that. It's one of the things Hashem, Melch Mishba Yamanars, it's one of the famous things Hashem said, I can't stand when they turn right into wrong and wrong into right. Uh, that's worse than Abu Dazar. You hear what I just said? It's worse than Abu Dazar. And so knows you have utter corruption of the moral system and a debasement of the values, and that's what he placed them for. 
Now I'm going to ask you a following question. I'm going to proceed in a second. Why is this Daf Torah today? Meaning, what has it got to do with us? With what is the Daf Torah and Amos? And if it is, why did Amos begin with the in you know after all the others with the Koma Hashem or Shlosha Pishi Yisrael? Why didn't he start off Shlosha Pishi Yehuda or Shlosha Pishi Amun or this, that, and the other? You know what I'm saying? Why, 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 why did they do that? Um, and the answer, of course, is not so hard to figure out. And that is, who, where did the Jews get this meetup of selling a poor guy, uh, I'm sorry, selling a tzaddik from, from Kesef? Now, mind you, this is almost speaking in the kingdom of the north, in the capital city of Shomron, which belonged, therefore, to the tribe of Ephraim, right? Pretty sure Shomron should be it's from the from uh, Omri. Let me let me look this up. Yeah, I mean, best I can tell, it's either in Ephraim or Menashe, maybe Menashe. Uh, although I believe that Omri, who was the king who founded the city, was um, was what he called was um, from Ephraim. But either way, so he's speaking in the capital city over there, and he's indicting them, Mechram Bakesev Tzadik. Now, wh- where did the people of Shomro, of the north, of um, Ephraim and Asha, where do you get that business? Uh, here's the point. The brothers sold Joseph for money, Mechram Bakesev Tzadik, that's the original case. And you who are listening to me in this speech, says the prophet, you're in Shomer, you're in Ephraim and Menashe. You of all people, your ancestor was sold, falsely. You should be aware and sensitive to this if anybody is. You should, if you have a kingdom in the north, you want to follow idols, follow idols. But at least don't have a situation of and you do. And you do. You see? So, that's disgusting. God can't stand it. Uh, of all people, you, the king of the north, especially Ephraim Menashe, descended from Yosef, whose ancestor was sold by Micham Bekezitzadik, and you continue it, that's, that's uh, you know, that's, like I say, the straw that breaks the camel's back. God can't handle that. And so the result is that you, um, uh, what do you call it? You end up with this situation where you're going to be destroyed. The Evian Bavurnel Lion is a statement of social reality at that time, but as far as I'm aware, um, that's the origin of the story. I don't know where to get that story from. I don't think anybody does, uh, as far as I'm aware, that you see in the Hasaru Gemalchus, where, on, um, is it uh, on, on Yom Kippur? I know you do Yom Kippur and Tishba. I think it's the one on Yom Kippur, where it says that the Roman guy calls in all the Chachamim, and he says, you know, you sold... Yosef for uh, the shoes and all this, and therefore you have to pay up. And since and now you you're Chayv Misa, and that's why he kills them. So and you know they go to Shemayim and they say in a you know it's it, it's true, uh, which is not as far as I know in a Medrash or in a Chazal, but isn't that famous uh, piyut? And uh, the idea is Micham just juxtaposed. No, that's my opinion. As far as I'm aware, that's where they get that from. The intermingling of the Micham Bekezet Sadik and the Anibavur and the Lion, the idea that they sold Yosef for shoes. 
Um, because it doesn't say that. It says he sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Uh, right? Isn't that right? Um, they sold him for, to, to the Ishmaelim. What was it saying this week's parasha? Uh, let me see here for a second exactly. You know, it's a little confusing. They throw him into a pit, and then it then there's the Midianites, and then the Ishmaelites, and all this sort of business. Um, but here it is. Um, the brothers sit down and have a picnic. And they see some Arabs coming along. Okay, and they say, let's sell them. And uh, So... It's not clear who sells them for twenty, but it, but it, but it does sound that no, you can read it that the Jews sold them for twenty pieces of silver. Okay, Esrim Kasev. So the Torah goes to the trouble to take you, you know, to to to, to make this point. Uh, now, uh, as I said before, that's social injustice, and Hashem can't stand it. And then he goes on to say, speaking of social injustice and the complete collapse of any royal. What you had was unbridled capitalism. All that mattered literally was money. Uh, the religion was crushed. Certainly any idea of justice was crushed. And therefore what happened? They, they walk um, casting dust. It's like they walk all over the poor. Okay? Uh, meaning that it's, it, they walk on the poor like you walk on dust. So the, the poor really suffer terribly. And they mislead those who are weak. In other words, they treat them bad in the justice system and they make them go off the derek in, in, in terms of Yiddishkeit. And the ultimate sign of the decadence of that time, this is almost, that, you know, uh, the father and the son, I mean, you can learn this in very different ways. And the different portion have to, the play, plain push, an old fashioned way of learning it is that the father and the son both go to the same zona. Um, however, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, you know, Rashi and others, they say, it's, in other words, the, the Nair Marasa, the, the, the son is, in, is, is engaged, has a with, with, with the with the young girl, and the father also gets in there. So, in other words, you have a complete degeneracy. You follow? A complete degeneracy. So, in other words, it's not a matter of a vote per se. It's not a matter that, you know, you violated uh, the Zvicha, Haktara, all the kind of things that we associate with Zorah. It's the uh, collapse of any moral quotient whatsoever that drives God crazy. Notice, is one thing. The fact that you did let's say, for example, believe it or not, that God could handle. But when but this last business that the father and the son the same girl and they crushed the poor, and they sell the the, the, the righteous person for money. Uh, so in other words, we have in us uh, good qualities. We believe the Jewish people are basically good. But we also have in us some bad qualities, which is why we read Dav every year. We do. And uh, the bad qualities are ancient. And uh, to tell you the truth, each, you know, uh, the, what do you call it? Each Achiv, it reminds you of the story of Yehuda also, but I don't want to go into that right now. It's not where I want to go. Uh, you see the heavy emphasis on on the, uh, as I said before, the disgusting. 
Avodah is not disgusting, it's just wrong. But when Avodah involves things like I just described, and usually those are the social consequences of idolatry. If you don't believe in a single God and a single system of, of, of right and wrong, it almost inevitably leads to these other consequences as well, which is that all norms uh, collapse and it becomes really a jungle and it's the survival of the fittest and the rich and the powerful are the ones that do so and you end up like these third world countries in Africa where it's a nightmare to live there. It's the local powerful guy or guys just terrorize everybody else and there's no solution. You know, nobody has a way to fix it. To be perfectly honest, there are some inner city situations in the United States of America where it's like that. It's very sad. I'm talking about for the inhabitants of the inner cities where they're under the terrorism of these uh, drug lords and junk like that. You know, it's uh, they have shows and books and all these sort of things about them. They're the ones who are suffering. Uh, and so that's what almost is blasting. But here he's talking about Claudius throw. So, uh, we have a general tendency to try to whitewash the brothers. You find that more in the uh, later Mepharshim. Uh, but in the in the time of the prophets, they didn't do that. Mecha Makez Sadik did. You know, they, they they call the spade a spade, as it were. And uh, almost therefore goes on to say that they just want to take the country down. So if you want to prevent yourselves from being wiped out, you better stop the Mecha Makez Sadik. He doesn't say you got to get rid of your idols. Um, there were many centuries in which they went along with various idols, but uh, what took them down was was this um, mistreating of one by the other. Um, I think that's a very powerful kind of message, and uh, it's a, a definitely food for thought. If you read the rest, the rest is also famous, but I did that in earlier years. Now, this is the point I want to emphasize this year. Once again, I want to thank the Raiden family, Zavantina Mazeltov on Oritz, uh, Bas Mitzvah, and also Mazel Tov when I yell it, and um, we shall have Simchas uh, more often. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.